Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything that you can hear as a player more than a, a, a manager having the kind of confidence in you and saying, listen, go and do the stuff what I'm saying to you. Enjoy yourself doing it. I'll take the blame if it goes wrong. Yeah. Because that's what we saw in that particular game. But what we saw more than anything, which really punished City, was the clinical nature in which Tottenham took those chances. When you do put in a performance like that and you get something, you know you know what it's like on the bus, on the way back, everybody's yeah. buzzing, everybody's the momentum. And when you get the other players back, if you can stay doing what you're doing now and getting results against the best in the league, honestly, then you think to what Tottenham are going to be capable of doing once they do get the fit players back. Because what I like about him He's not complaining about who's out because they've got some top players out. They're just getting it done and they got it done against City and that's, that should be a worrying thing for a lot of people. That was Arsenal legend Ian Wright, full of praise for Spurs manager Ange Postacoglu. We'll get to Spurs and Ange Postacoglu in a second. But Daniel Garb joins me. Garby, an amazing game this morning. Arsenal and Luton. Declan Rice cost a lot of money, but he has been worth every pound so far. Most certainly. And that was his biggest moment so far for Arsenal, the 97th minute winner to break the hearts of Luton Town at Kenilworth Road. Very big win for the Gunners. They've got some issues between the goalkeeping posts at the yes. moment. I think Mikel Arteta's uh, maybe fumbled his selection a little bit there and uh, isn't quite getting the best out of his keepers. But uh, Declan Rice spared his blushes and those of David Ryers at the other end with uh, a clutch header to... Keep Arsenal top of the table at the end of the midweek fixtures. They've got a five-point gap at the moment over Liverpool. Liverpool play bottom of the table, Sheffield United tomorrow morning. Manchester City are in third. They've got a tricky one Mm. away to Aston Villa. That's going to be really interesting. But uh, regardless of that, the Gunners will go into the weekend top of the table. And it didn't look like being so when it was 3 all with the... about a minute to go, but uh, yeah, Declan Rice cost a fortune of money. I mean, every which way you added it up, it was a, a very smart signing for Arsenal positionally in the centre of midfield um, as a leader. He's just got a fantastic mentality, and, and that's the kind of player they needed to try and take them to that next level to break their Premier League drought, which will stretch 20 years once we uh, turn over into the new year. Who knows? The way it's going, it might be... Uh, Ended that drought at the end of the season. Obviously, Liverpool and Man City still well and truly in it. But, uh, yeah, they'll be in it right until the end. You'd think the Gunners at least. So, uh, yeah, it was a huge moment for him in, in justifying his £100 million spend so far. As you mentioned, there's a couple of issues out of the game for the Gunners. One is the goalkeeping situation. David Raya, you know, was at fault for two of the goals. Do you think that means... As early as the weekend, Aaron Ramsdale gets his chance. And also, was it? I haven't seen... I saw a little bit of the celebrations from Mikel Arteta. Is it a bit harsh he's got a yellow card for that? And therefore, that's his third and can't be on the touchline this weekend. It was a little bit. I saw one of his coaching staff trying to hold him back um, <laughs> with, uh, with that in mind. But it is a little bit harsh. Yeah, the goalkeeping one's interesting. I mean, to everyone on the outside, it didn't feel like a change they needed to make. I mean, Ramsdale was... Impressive for them last season, but Arteta wanted someone who could 
play the ball out from the back a little better. So he went for Raya. Uh, you know, he, he is his number one, but it's not one of those situations where it's obvious that he's a nailed on number one and Ramsdale's long-term number two. There's still a bit of uncertainty there. And you listen to goalkeepers over the journey. I remember Mark Schwarzer talking to me about this and he just said whenever he was confirmed as the number one and there was no question about it, he performed a lot better. Mm. Whenever he was in a situation, and other keepers have said this as well, where there was a rotation or there was pressure on, that's when they struggled. That, you know, There's enough pressure on a goalkeeper as it is to not make mistakes. When you've got that sitting in the back of your mind that you're not guaranteed to be the number one long term and there's someone else there who's of equal quality and they could be in the next week, that's when you know, issues start to arise. So I'm not sure he needed to make that change, Mikel Arteta. They're sitting top of the table, of course, but uh, yeah, they've just got a, a concern there as to what they do now, and maybe he'll change. I get a feeling he might stick to his guns, pardon the pun a little bit, and keep Raya between the six because he has been criticised for the decision, and he might want to, uh, to stick with it to prove everyone wrong long term. But uh, it just seems like an unnecessary change. For the Gunners to make, but uh, on the table, it's not causing too many issues right now. And not going as well as Manchester United. It's been a big 24 hours. So reports coming out uh, from various journalists in the UK. That's not all roses between the manager, Eric Ten Hag, and some of his players. And then four of those journalists were banned from Eric Ten Hag's press conference. It was something Sir Alex Ferguson has done in the past. Is that yeah. is that going too far from Eric Ten Hag's point of view? I noticed Gary Neville tweeted saying, oh, here we go again. I've seen this script before, you know, we know where this is going to end for Eric Ten Hag. Uh, what's, what's your thoughts on everything that's swirling around Man U at the moment? It's a messy situation. It seems pretty toxic. And uh, that's the overriding word above all else. Pretty much for the last 10 years, more often than not at Manchester United, since Sir Alex Ferguson left, which tells you that the issue extends far beyond the head coach and that it runs a lot deeper. Um, but you know, they thought at, this, at the end of last season that Eric Ten Hag was the man. He was the man to alter everything at that club. They'd finally found a, a young, enterprising manager to turn that club over. And then for some reason, coming into this season, it's been anything but. You know, it doesn't seem like he's got the best out of his players. In fact, it doesn't seem. It's clear he hasn't got the best out of his players. I mean, they're edging past teams that they should mm. dominate, you know, 1-0 late on in games and... They're getting the points and they're higher up on the table than their quality of football suggests they should be because they're just finding a way, which is you know handy for them. But then they come up against the better teams and they're played off the park, which was the case against Newcastle United on the weekend, which has been the case against Manchester City. United fans are already fearing playing Liverpool, their biggest rival, thinking you know, mm. there's no chance we can compete against them and the other big teams when we match them because we're just nowhere near it. And... Uh, yeah, that's an issue for them in, in those sorts of games and an issue for Eric Ten Hag in terms of keeping his job because uh, it does seem like it's all going to fall apart at some stage. They should have been a team that's sitting there with Arsenal and Liverpool at the moment as a challenger alongside Manchester City for the title. That's what they were building towards. They've spent enough money on their squad. There's enough quality there. They're back in the Champions League this season. It's a mystery as to why it's all fallen apart. Uh, but the reasons run deeper than Eric Ten Hag. There are simply cultural issues within that football club that have been there for 10 years. Uh, managers, as long as the owners stay the same, the manager's the only person who can mm. really come in and, and change it. They thought Eric Ten Hag was the man. At the moment, it feels like the opportunity will be given to someone else before too long. Speaking of the world of football with Daniel Garb, and barring a miracle, they're, they're going to miss out on the next stage of the, the Champions League. Uh, speaking of goalkeepers, that they've had their dramas with Anana at Manchester United. Newcastle have now got a drama 
with Nick Pope out for months with a shoulder reconstruction. Is it possible David De Gea could return to the Premier League with Newcastle? Potentially. I don't mind Martin Dubravka. I think he's quite a good goalkeeper. So they've got an able replacement, Newcastle United, and a very good defence for him to, uh, to operate behind. I mean, it is one of their strengths. They're, they're resolute back there. And, and I think when you have a break from Champions League football, which they've obviously been playing at the moment, you have that sort of two-month break over the Christmas New Year period before it starts again. Oh, I can see them going on a run and, and really stabilising throughout that period. But uh, yeah, Nick Pope's obviously a, a big loss. He's a, a top-class goalkeeper, but Dubravka can do his thing. David De Gea was doing well at Manchester United. And, you know, it was probably time for a, for a change, but uh, he certainly had a solid season last time out. That's been another controversial move from United, bringing in Anana. He was outstanding for Inter Milan last season, but it just hasn't worked for him in the Prem. So, yeah, David De Gea is one of the best shot stoppers that the Premier League has ever seen, pure and simple. His record suggests that. So it would make sense for uh, Newcastle United to bring in some reinforcements, but they've got a pretty strong replacement in, uh, in Dubrovka for now. Great result for Spurs at City on uh, Monday morning, our time. Um, how important was that for Ange Postacoglu? I mean, when in the first half, they were lucky. I mean, they could have been... City could have mm. scored four or five, but he did change things up a bit at halftime. Game of a rollicking. Brought on uh, Hoybier, is a bit more defensively minded. How important was that second half performance for, for Ange? An enormous result because it just helped settle everything down and stabilise everything. There was no panic, as you know, Jules, being a Tottenham fan. There was no panic amongst the, the Spurs supporters or the players. Everyone at the club was calm. They knew a, a moment like this was coming where they would have an injury run that uh, hurts them a little bit in terms of their quality in the first 11, and the results would start to dip. So they were in that period, and then you've got a game against City away, and you think, all right, well, you know, there's a loss coming up, and uh, we'll just have to try and get through it. To come up with a point in that fixture, considering the, the dip in form, it's just massive for Ange to settle everything down and to, uh, to have a little bite back, not that he would care, at some of the critics who mm. were waiting for this moment, waiting for Spurs to drop off. And he did it once again, Jules, playing his way. You now, people are saying you can't do that week in, week out in the Premier League. We all know Ange is not going to change. Mm. And they didn't change. They kept going at City. They kept attacking. The players loved that. The fans loved that. And it prevailed in this fixture to, uh, to get a point away to the treble winners. So... Very big moment for him, and I think that'll give everyone at Spurs a lift, but they've got a very tricky fixture again this weekend against West Ham. They do, and then, Newca- the week- yeah, and New- then Newcastle on the weekend, two clubs that are, that are injury hits. So just with the title race, I was going to ask you, before the game this morning, I was going to say, have Arsenal maybe got their noses in front because they're, they're defending better than Manchester City and Liverpool, who have probably got more goals in them, but Arsenal have been great at the back. And then you see this morning, they leak three at Luton, and the goalkeeping issue raises its head again. It, who have you got your favourite for the title right now? I know Arsenal five points clear, but we've got a long way to go. Who, do you think, is City still the team to beat or is it just a toss of the coin between the top three right now? Still favour City just because we've seen with them so many times that they storm home. And the reason why they storm home is because they are able to rotate so much for the first three quarters of the season, that they're just fresher. We saw it last season against Arsenal in that two-horse race. They just pulled away hugely at the end you know it's like a, a 1500 meter race and the last 300 meters just not even a contest you know the, the one runner just leaves the other one in their wake and they're able to do that because they can keep players fresh and we sit there in the first 
half of the season going, why are they rotating so much? Why are they giving this bloke a rest? Is there a need for that? You know, is that drop points here? It comes to fruition, that tactic, in the final part of the season when everyone is energetic. And you look at other teams who are forced to play their best 11 with more regularity, start to look a little bit more fatigued. That being said, Arsenal will be so much better for the run of last season, having been through it. This Liverpool squad, the majority of them, have been through it as well. Liverpool don't have Champions League football. Manchester City and Arsenal will have big knockout fixtures in the second half of the season. Liverpool have the Europa League, but we all know um, quality-wise and mental, from a mental point of view, it's just not as taxing. So they can get through that a little bit easier. I think it's going to be really close. I can really see a three-horse race going down to the final month at the very least because I think Liverpool and Arsenal are better conditioned to stick with City now, but I do still give the edge only slightly the Pep Guardiola side. A bit stiff the other day, that uh, non-advantage call, which has uh, seen them actually being charged with bringing the game in disrepute after yeah. the players surrounded the referee. Is there any possible explanation why that was called back? I don't know. It just seemed like a blunder. It was an obvious advantage to be given, and they were through on goals. So Erling Haaland's lost his rag. Can understand why he needs to deal with those situations a lot better. I just think it's a blunder from the referee, and that happens. Got a big Villa fan on the Forty Wings temper here. He wants to know: Can they push for the title, or at least hang on for a Champions League place? I think they can. I think that fourth spot in the Champions League is wide mm. open. You know, City, Arsenal, Liverpool—you can lock away. But then, you know, I still think Newcastle will be the most likely team to occupy it. But. You know, they've also got Champions League games to deal with or Europa League games potentially. They miss out on on progression in the second half of the season. They haven't been through that as a group under Eddie Howe. So, you know, it's not a guarantee. We know Tottenham are likely to be up there. And Villa are just going about their business beautifully. And they've got the two crucial ingredients in order to achieve something special. A, a top-class manager. Unai Emery is fantastic. I think he came into Arsenal at the wrong time. He came in just after Arsene Wenger. If he'd come in now, not that Arsenal would want to swap Mikel Arteta, of course, because he's doing a fantastic job, but I think it would be a very different story at the Guns. So they've got a top-class manager who, with all due respect to Villa, has operated at a level slightly above that. Mm. And a lot of people are saying if United get rid of Ten Hag, he is the most obvious manager for them to, uh, to target. Not saying he would leave, though. And they've got a top-class striker in Ollie Watkins. You know, a guy who's a genuine 20-goal-a-season Premier League striker. They keep him fit with the manager they've got and the other quality around them, they've got a deeper squad than people give them credit for, they can most certainly stay in that race for the top four and at the very least be in the Europa League again. Yeah, he's doing a great job, as you say, Unai Emery at Villa. Uh, A-League, you had it all Saturday night. Perth Glory in Sydney, up there in Sydney. That was a that was a strange old night at the office. Yeah, the lightning delay meant that uh, play was delayed for about an hour and a half. And, uh, yeah, when you're doing the sideline, you think, all right, well, now we've got to try find a way to fill for an hour or so. Let's just speak to anyone we can. And we literally did. We found <laughs> yes. a folks from Texas, which was bizarre, a guy named Will, who is just a massive Sydney FC fan. And there was a very fun interview to do. I was roaming around, and one of the Sydney FC supporters literally said to me, this bloke's from America, and he's nuts about Sydney FC, interviewing while we're all waiting. And I said, well, that's an idea. He went to a game last year, fell in love with the... Uh, the Sky Blues and the A-League wakes up at all hours of the morning to watch them and came over for uh, a few weeks in order to watch them live. And his first game gets delayed by an hour and a half because of a uh, <laughs> lightning delay. So how's the luck for the big man? But he saw a Sydney FC win in the end. And yeah, they're moving up the table in the right direction, as are Melbourne City, of course, after slow starts. And uh, 
with a couple of surprise packets up the top, the likes of Wellington, the Brisbane Roar and MacArthur. Yeah. Blooming is a pretty exciting start to the season. Yeah, the incredible game with MacArthur and Adelaide the other night. Uh, just before I let you go, it's uh, victory versus the Western Sydney Wanderers uh, this week. Four consecutive draws for Melbourne. Victory just on Marco Rodan, though. Is, um, offers from Japan, do we think he might be on the move at some stage? Perhaps at some stage, but I think he's pretty fixated on trying to, uh, to win something with Western Sydney. He's just a perfect fit for that club. Uh, he's a Western Sydney product and he, and he gets the culture and he, he likes to play the us against them mentality and uh, that works for his football club. It galvanises the fans and uh, on the pitch, they're heading in the right direction. They're a genuine title contender. Looking forward to the game of the weekend. Always enjoy seeing Tony Popovich play against uh, mm. the Wanderers. That is uh, always something to look out for. And uh, there's still a bit of feeling there, no doubt, between those two. And it should be a beauty. Mark Rodan, I could see him managing abroad at some stage, but uh, not sure if it'll happen quite yet in the immediate future. Now, before I let you go, I know you love your football, but you love your golf. I saw you out there at the Australian, I think, on Monday. How'd you hit him? <laughs> hit him pretty well. Yeah, we were lucky. I got into the, uh, the media draw, so we got invited... Uh, as is customary at golf tournaments, the media gets to play the course the day after the tournament, nice. and, and that was awesome. I mean, that place is just looking immaculate. I spoke to Robert McIntyre's caddy, Robert McIntyre, the Scotsman, who said it's the best condition course he's ever played, and I hit up his caddy while we're walking between holes on one of the days, and I said, did he really mean that? Like, is it better than Augusta? And he said, I'm telling you right now, Augusta's incredible, but the little patches there that perhaps aren't quite as perfect as you see on TV, <laughs> he said, the Australian... Perfect all over. Best condition course we've ever played. So big tick for Australian golf. It was an awesome tournament. The field, the crowds were just Huge. massive draw. Yeah. And the atmosphere was fantastic. Min Woo Lee lit up the crowd and then uh, Joachim Neiman stormed home, the Chilean star in the, uh, the last round to win it. And uh, it was just a fantastic four days of golf. And I just wish we had more tournaments of that nature in Australia because we have so much to offer the golfing world and the Australian Open proved that again across the weekend. How well are we going when that is the 38th rated golf course in Australia, the Australian? Yeah. Number 38, and it's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a great course. Look, there are other courses, I think, in Sydney that are better, but the actual club and the presentation mm. and the facilities, I mean, you just can't beat it. You know, that, that was Kerry Packer's course, so that sums it up. He put plenty of money into that place, of course. <laughs> so, But uh, the actual course, yeah, we're, we're spoiled for choice in this country, and Obviously, you know that best in, in Melbourne and across the Mornington Peninsula. There are so many wonderful places to play. And, uh, yeah, I just wish we had more tournaments and we had an opportunity for uh, the best in the world to come here more often because they would love it. They do love it when they come. But uh, yeah, we know a lot about the golfing landscape and why that's not the case. But uh, it should be. There should be, you know, four massive tournaments a year in Australia at least. Yeah, 100%. I think every golf fan would agree. Garby, as always, uh, thanks for your time. We love uh, midweek English Premier League football. We've got a feast of it uh, this week and another round on the weekend. And A-League, W-League, Matildas, it doesn't stop. Good stuff, Jules. Thanks, mate.